0: everyone, it's Samantha Miller and I just want to welcome you guys back to the Still Small Voice podcast this week. I am really excited to talk to you over the next several weeks about something so specific that the Lord has been teaching me in this season. I've just been completely in awe of how personal God is with each of us, how He is constantly interacting with us in these super meticulous ways because he knows each of us individually better than anyone here on earth possibly could. So I've been really amazed at how the Lord knows exactly how to instruct me, speak to me, love on me, and invest in me in the exact right ways to help me grasp all of the things that he wants me to so that I can really look like him in all areas of life. And the truth is that he longs to have this type of relationship with all of us. So my podcast over the next several weeks is on this exact thing, relationship and the pursuit of intentional relationships with the Lord and with others. So I'm going to refer to these as covenant relationships and I know that that might weird some of you out so I want you to just hang with me because I want to make sure that I'm being clear about what I mean in this week's episode I was talking to a mother in the faith um, a while ago a few months ago and she said something to me that I'm pretty sure she said to me several times but honestly it wasn't until this conversation that it clicked with me in a different way She said that she wanted to make sure that she called to speak to me on that night because she wanted to honor her covenant with me. And something about that statement on that night really touched me. Because, you know, I'm slow. It really wasn't until the next week that I was driving to church That it hit me that this entire time, really since January, when I started the Still Small Voice podcast, the many months that I've been digesting all of this stuff with the Lord, he was actually teaching me how to interact with this person and that person and in this situation and that situation, how to honor and respect people really through all of that, God has been teaching me about what it means to be in covenant relationship, like what this mother in the faith said to me. He's been showing me this through my relationship with my husband, through my friends, through my children, with the girls that I meet with um, on a weekly basis that I'm discipling through the people that I'm in leadership with at church. And so as I drove to church that morning, It also hit me that the restoration of godly relationships is one of the things that he longs to do in this hour of the church. Covenant living, living in the promise we have through Christ's salvation, births covenant relationships, which in turn should effectively spread the gospel and breed purity within the church here on earth. (laughs) And look, I get it. I've spoken to you on this podcast a lot about relationship and discipleship and mentorship, but really, this concept is a more specified description, this idea of covenant relationship to describe the types of relationships that I've mentioned, what they're supposed to look like. And I'm super excited if you can't tell, about what I think God is leading me to do with all of this insight. And I'm going to start by sharing with you guys over the next couple of weeks. I did see on social media that Jenny Allen, I think it's Jenny and not Jeannie. If it's Jeannie, hopefully she'll forgive me. She is the author of Get Out of Your Head. On Instagram, she put a picture of a title page for a book called Find Your People, which based off of the description, seems to be kind of along the same lines of what I'm going to talk to you about. So I'm really excited to kind of read what she has to say about this topic. What I'm hoping to do is really just bring awareness to the fact that these types of relationships, these covenant type of relationships are invaluable and honestly, totally doable. (laughs) But they're going to take intentionality, in pursuit it's going to take sacrifice and honestly it's going to require some healing of us before we even enter into them and i like the word covenant so much because i think that god teaching it teaches us through his word that covenants covenants are serious so should we take seriously our relationships with others most people most christians specifically associate covenant the word covenant with old covenant versus new covenant right old covenant equals law new covenant equals jesus old covenant you know god in israel new covenant god in us old covenant you know not so hot it could have been better and then new covenant yay perfection right so but the old covenant was necessary at the time but the new covenant was and still is perfect and eternal. The primary aspect of both of these remains the same. They both have to do with relationships, specifically our relationship with God. They were necessary in order to assure that not only we could commune with God, right, but they also kept us in community with God. Covenants were actually semi-common in scripture not just between God and man but also between two humans for various reasons and we're going to talk about those today because I want you to believe me in this covenants are not casual they are serious and important in every circumstance the right kind of covenants are actually ordained by God I would even go so far as describing most of these covenants as kingdom relationships now here i am using this word again and it kind of hit me over the summer that the christian community uses kingdom a lot it's a very christianese word and I use it a lot and I don't want to be confusing by any means. So, here I am going to, in this moment, tell you what I mean when I say the word kingdom, when I use the word kingdom lifestyle. We're told by Jesus that we can experience kingdom living here on earth. So, when I say kingdom, kingdom this, kingdom that, I am referring to basically. Whatever Jesus says about what we are to do and how we are to live and how we are to speak and what we are to think. So if you are pursuing holy living, my friends, you are pursuing a kingdom lifestyle because sin does not reign in the kingdom of God. If you are pursuing high praise that is void of fleshly performance like spirits, This is a kingdom lifestyle because pure praise and worship is what we know will be in eternity. If you are living in faith that God still produces miracles and healing, this is a kingdom lifestyle because in heaven there is no sickness. There is wholeness and constant living in the presence in the kingdom of God. This is what we expect in eternity. Now look, obviously we're here on earth. We're not going to experience the fullness of heaven until we're there. But Jesus says we can pursue the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Why would he say that if that weren't the case? And I'm describing this because there is everlasting covenant relationship with the Lord in heaven. That is assured. We are all in the likeness of Christ. We are all worshiping together in one accord. This is what scripture tells us heaven is going to look like. There are no quarrels. There are no disappointments. There's no trauma. There's no drama. So when you say save the drama for your mama, your mama's not even going to care in heaven, y'all. She's not going to be concerned with any drama. So if this is the case, why should we not be pursuing this here on earth? Because let me tell you, some of you out there crave the drama. Mm-hmm. Some of you crave it and let me tell you right now that is not a kingdom mindset and that's something that you need to lay down I believe that this type of relationship covenant relationship what I'm going to be discussing with you guys over the next few weeks is part of living a kingdom lifestyle here on earth and that's what I'm all about you guys I want to help all of you and myself pursue a kingdom lifestyle that's what still small voice podcast is about A covenant is birthed from the desired establishment of some sort of relationship that isn't natural. So a natural relationship example would be between a parent and a child. That's something that is, that's a type of relationship that is naturally created through conception, right? But the type of relationships that I'm talking about, these covenants that are described in the word of God, there's a choice involved. Some understand covenant as an agreement or even a legal contract like marriage. Regardless, a covenant is between at least two people, two parties. There should be some sort of explanation defining what this relationship looks like. And oftentimes there are implied or in God's case specifically said verbatim conditions to the relationship and consequences if promises or conditions are unmet. You might have just heard that and thought, okay, if you and I are reading the same Bible, covenants appear to have a bunch of strings attached. Yes and no, friends. You see, God is the ultimate covenant keeper. Listen to me very closely because this is what I want you to walk away with today. God has never ever broken covenant and he never will he's the best promise keeper he shows us exactly how to keep covenants with not just him but with God's people and the benefits of covenant keeping just seep out of his word however outside of the old versus new covenant knowledge and of course maybe the marriage concept the word covenant actually has kind of little meaning little use usage in our Christianese lingo and current culture and to some people might sound super spiritual and pointless. I guarantee some would have heard the statement that my spiritual mother said to me when she said that she wanted to honor the covenant that she was in with me and be weirded out. Why didn't she just say family? I wanted to honor that you're like family to me. Or, I wanted to honor our friendship. Or, I wanted to honor that you are my sister in Christ. Because these are the words that we hear, right? But the problem, there's a problem with the use of these words. I was having a conversation with Sam Petty, who I've had on the Steel Small Voice podcast before, and he's going to be back next week. But he pointed out, um when I talk to him about this word covenant, that this is kind of an old school thing that has been replaced by a lot of people with the word family. And I don't. this is not, this is not a bashing. I just want to make sure that I'm clear. But there are a lot of churches that use the word family in their mission statement. family, friend, brother, sister. I get it. These are common words in our language. Covenant is not, but, When you say, when your church says to people, we are family here at X church, okay? I'm gonna use my church as an example. We are a family here at All People's Church. What does that even mean? I know what it's supposed to mean, but what does that actually mean? And how do people know that you actually mean it? So let's do a little hypothetical here for a minute. You use the word family in your church, okay? You've got someone in the back, who hears the word family and that makes her super uncomfortable because what it does is it triggers a thought process reminding her of the fact that someone in her family who was supposed to love her like family actually physically or sexually abused her or hearing the word family reminds her of the fact that her parents were divorced that's what family means to her. Or what about another person who hears the word family and she's thinking of the fact that she hasn't heard from her children in several years. Let's let's talk about brother and sister, all right? So you you could have someone in your church, your brother in the back who who hears the word brother, him him being referred to as brother and he he gets super super uncomfortable because He thinks about how anyone who has ever been close to him like a brother has actually abandoned him or betrayed him. What about the whole friend thing? Okay, Um, same kind of concept. You hear friends. To some people, friendship means going and hanging out with a bunch of people on a Friday night and getting wasted. We don't have a good definition in our current culture about what these mean. Their meanings have been completely destroyed. So ultimately, when we hear these words, when we hear family, friendship, brother and sister, to a lot of people, they don't really know what we mean and really what they're doing is they're inciting surface level relationships. So this is the problem. This is why when a mother in the faith said to me that she wanted to honor her covenant with me, it meant something. It meant that our relationship was something holy, something faithful, something constant, something that would ultimately point me to Christ. The whole point of the old covenant was honestly to kind of buy time until God brought about the perfect sacrifice to show us our obvious need for Christ. The covenants people pointed us to our need for the cross to look like Jesus but um, let me let me tell you something. The devil understands the value of covenants. He understands the value of real relationship and he definitely understands the value of being in covenant with God. He saw the power behind it. He had an up close and real view of the power behind relationship with God. So he's trying to destroy it and replace it with his own warped version of what this looks like to try to elevate himself. I was watching this video that was shared to me um, by a girl that I consider um, a daughter. Here I am using that word. Um, I'm in a covenant relationship with her. I'm going to change it, okay, um, <laughs> to, to try to go along with what I'm saying. But she, was sent, she sent me this video of this podcast with this ex-satanic priest. And I was listening to the video. And while I would say I wasn't surprised, although mostly enlightened by all the crap they did i i'm sitting there in the car at the vet i'm waiting for my dog you got a booster shot for a vaccine and i'm i'm, I'm like lord this is so stupid all the stuff that they do ritually it's kind of legalistic and pointless what is it really doing even though it's clear that there's power behind it and i really feel like i heard the lord say To me, it is stupid, but it's about relationship. Y'all, Satan knows that if he can get these people to do these stupid things, it means that they're committed to him. There's covenant and there's power behind covenant. It's not necessarily the act itself. It's the heart behind it. It's the connection. It's the commitment to darkness. The devil gets it and he's out to destroy any and all covenants that point to Jesus. And that's exactly why the world looks the way that it does. I don't want to go any further into this conversation until you understand that when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your heavenly father entered into covenant with you that's everlasting. It's a sure thing and he isn't breaking it. If God, the perfect creator, the holy, righteous God can enter into covenant with wretches like us and keep his word, we can do better at representing that in our relationships with other people, period. So I want to end the podcast today by pointing you to the scripture because I think that's super important so that you can understand so that you can taste and see the reality of what the word teaches about covenant so let's consider the covenants of the old testament that god makes with specific people god makes covenants with made a covenant with noah right abraham moses the israelites david okay these are the ones that i'm going to mention today we're going to use abraham as an example god enters into covenant with abraham genesis 17 right abraham's 99 God appears to him and says, I'm making covenant with you, guaranteeing you countless descendants if you serve me blamelessly. Just as a reminder, this is after the Ishmael fiasco, okay? God says he's going to change his name to Abraham, tells him that he's going to father many nations. He uses the word everlasting throughout generations to describe the impact that he's going to have. So there's not even implication here. God literally says he's going to establish this through Abraham, and it's going to last forever. He then goes on and says he's going to change Sarai's name to Sarah, and that she's going to be a mother to many nations. And at what point? At what what happens here, people? You guys know the story. Abraham laughs. Abraham laughs. The Lord even goes on and is like, the name of your son is going to be Isaac. So yes, Abraham is in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is handing him all this amazing stuff on a silver platter. And Abraham laughs. And Abraham continues to be dumb and asks God to, and look, Abraham, I want to honor him. He, He, everything. This was dumb. It's okay for us to acknowledge that this was stupid. This is in no way, shape, or form to dishonor Abraham. I'm quite sure that if he were alive today, he would look at us and say, yeah, this this is pretty dumb. But going on, Abraham, in the middle of all of this, asks the Lord to do it through Ishmael. Indicating like there's a sense of rebelling here by not trusting or listening to the Lord who's speaking to him is just crazy. But the Lord people, he still follows through with speaking that covenant that he had planned to Abraham in the middle of Abraham's stupidity because the Lord honors his word. It was about something bigger than Abraham. Something bigger had to take place through Abraham. God is trustworthy, honoring, respectful, merciful in all situations. This is a consistent theme with all of the covenants that God makes in his word with men. God's covenant with Noah. Did the Lord flood the, and completely destroy the earth again? No, he did not. Could he have? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, but he didn't because he loves us. And he knew he had a better way coming. Jesus. Was Abraham the father of many nations? He certainly was. Did God lead the Israelites out of Egypt? He did. And he never abandoned them, even though they broke covenant with him many, 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 many times. There were some people who did not see the promised land because of their rebellion, but Israel, in and of itself, there were people that made it to the promised land. Why? Because God doesn't break covenant so rubbed up about this david he hadn't did he have an everlasting throne and kingdom even though he had a man killed because he slept with and knocked up his wife yes indeed all the way to jesus was it a messy ride to jesus oh yes it was it was ugly but god never wavered on his word and his faithfulness to those that he loves The new covenant we know is the gold standard of all covenants, perfect in condition. And this is the new covenant of blood. Jesus' blood poured out. The perfect covenant that ultimately fulfills the rest. And it's so perfect that there's no need for another one. He paid the ultimate price. He brought us into everlasting relationship and covenant with God. So I know I got a little excited with that segment. But I'm going to land the plane now and talk to you about the covenants that exist specifically between two humans and the evidence for support for these in scripture and i think that this is important because these are actual relationships that we experience here on earth and i'm telling you guys the word of god does not leave anything out everything you need is in it down to how to function in relationships with other people yet many of us have a hard time picking up the word every day i'm just saying just saying so we're going to start with the marriage relationship the marriage covenant okay this is the one that we the other one that's most commonly referred to one man one wife it's a divine institution that is to never be broken it's considered a sacred covenant Go and read Malachi 2, 14 through 16. I'm going to read just a segment of this. It says, You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your partner, the wife of your marriage vows. So if you look at this whole scripture The words here, this is how seriously, go read all of that. I just read a portion. The Lord takes marriage and the marriage covenant seriously. He says in this scripture, he hates divorce and that this worship is unacceptable because of how poorly the wife is being treated in private. I would dare say the reverse is true for how poorly a woman treats her husband in private. This covenant includes a commitment to serve one another. A commitment to physical intimacy with only each other, right? One flesh. A commitment to emotional intimacy with one another. Mutual love and honor and respect to represent Christ in the church, a self-denying love for one another. There is no other person here on earth that is to have this kind of covenant with you. It's one of a kind and it's serious the next example of covenant that is described in scripture is that between two friends david and jonathan now i am going to stop here for a minute because i am not stupid i understand that there are many teachings out there on this subject that imply that david and jonathan were in a homosexual relationship I think that's absurd based off of what I am interpreting in the scripture. Be offended or not, I just don't see it. So I'm gonna move on and not discuss that conversation right now because this is about a friendship covenant and I wanna move on. So there's I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to a specific instant in instance in scripture where it talks about this covenant and, and this the David and Jonathan covenant. Um, as as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and said that he would not return to his father's house and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. I want you to remember that scripture for later, for next, for, for a few weeks when we we circle back around to this, to this conversation. Jonathan and David had a special commitment to serve one another. They were committed to support and honor one another, to love one another as, as oneself. And I feel comfortable saying they were even committed to interceding for each other, going to bat for each other. Um, at no concern of a personal loss. I mean, Jonathan took personal loss to support David and honor his friendship with David. And there's evidence of this in scripture at a cost of a relationship with his father. There was obviously enjoyment in this relationship, enjoyment of company. Um, and I think it's really important to note from this scripture that I just read that we're going to circle back around to later that Jonathan recognized David's authority and anointing. And David recognized Jonathan's gifts of loyalty, kindness, and discernment. And they elevated one another, honoring each other's gifts. This is not just an average friendship. In fact, there are no relationships mentioned quite like this one in scripture. This is how rare this type of covenant friendship is. These are two people that loved each other deeply And we're guided by the Lord in every step. Ask yourself a question. Do you have any friendships that model this? The last covenant relationship between two humans that I want to discuss that I've talked about before at length is the mentorship discipleship covenant. And I think it's worth mentioning again, but I do want to say that the word covenant is never used in correlation with this type of relationship in scripture. I just want to be clear. I don't want any of you to think I'm making stuff up. I believe that there are various levels to discipleship as we've discussed in other podcasts. And I think that this type of discipleship and mentorship is really just walking intently with another person. It's not about just learning a skill Um, it's, it's, it's about walking with a person to learn how to look like Jesus and navigate the calling on your life. I believe we have examples of these types of relationships, these type of covenant relationships in scripture, even though it doesn't say it explicitly. I think Elijah and Elisha is an example, and then Paul and Timothy. And I think, so I think it's implied I also think about the scripture in Hebrews where it says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you and consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith. That's the kind of relationship that I'm talking about here. And it becomes implied to me through scripture that covenant is necessary in order for these relationships to be done right. Because these types of relationships are often abused and just not understood. I certainly didn't understand it until recently. This whole spiritual father, spiritual mother thing are buzzwords in Christianity that I didn't hear and really honestly until 2014, if I'm being honest. But these relationships are precious and holy and important and they should not be entered into lightly, which we know because there's a level of honesty and vulnerability and teachability involved. And I'm starting to see... Just how vital it is to have this type of relationship and the understanding of what this looks like for protection of all parties involved. So Paul and Timothy, right? We we can gather evidence from Paul and that he's in this type of relationship based on how he speaks of Timothy. He refers to him as a son, um, refers to him as having a like-minded commitment to serving God. He always uplifts and speaks highly of Timothy and evidently really took the time to teach him and trusted him and empowered him through through ministry and you can see throughout scripture that timothy's relationship with paul grew and evolved there's a really great article that i read by rick warren where he describes the relationship of paul and timothy as having three phases parenthood pace setting and partnership each one leading timothy to more maturity and independence and even eventually co-laboring with paul All three of these phases, though, required a close covenant-like relationship. Otherwise, Timothy wouldn't have known how to mature into things of God. So when, when I say to you, my house is open to you. If we're home and you want to come by, you know, call just to make sure we're here first. But you're welcome anytime. That's what we're trying to do with you. If you don't want to hang out with us, that's one thing, but but when you're when you've got someone in the faith offering you that kind of relationships, that that's what they're they're trying to pursue with you. And my honest experience, as I have shared before, is that many of these relationships are difficult to commit to and many of them die in that first phase, but it's because there are really unmet or unsolidified expectations because the covenants are not explicitly set with those when you enter into someone with that. And I know that I, when I first, the first time I entered into this kind of relationship with someone, um, I I completely failed at this. I didn't communicate clearly. I just kind of brushed things aside. I let fear of man kind of overtake me and it really kind of destroyed me a little bit. It really, it really made me doubt my calling and all kinds of stuff and I know that some of you might be hearing this and again think well this is quite legalistic and having a relationship with boundaries like this you know I don't really want to be in a relationship with strings attached and hey if that's the case then then you know maybe this kind of relationship isn't for you yet but I'm telling you it's it's really important although we have seen it abused but the abuse happens in these type of relationships when the terms of the relationship of this mentor, you know, father, mother, son in the faith relationship, when these terms are not connected to the growth of the one being disciple, but instead connected to the mentor lording or controlling the disciple from a place of pride or even trying to replace God in their lives. a, uh, a, uh, uh, a daughter today said to me, "Some we were talking about a totally different situation and she was like, this is what happens when you create an idol out of your mentor. This, This kind of relationship, when it's done well and right, is when the terms are designed to point the other person to God and to look like God. Discipline is biblical, but discipline is not abusive. And I will promote these kind of things for the rest of my life because I didn't know how valuable they were until just now. And I think that it is truly an honor to walk with someone in this type of covenant relationship. But here's the thing. Many of you are going through life without intentional relationships with anyone. All of your relationships are surface level. If your earthly relationships are surface level, what is your relationship with like, like with the Lord? Because I believe we can learn a lot about what our relationships look like with the Lord when we really look at what our earthly relationships look like so I know that this was a lot of teaching in this podcast but the point of doing it is to show you that there's something to this whole covenant thing there's something holy and beautiful about representing Jesus in every aspect of your relationships with others there's something special about walking intently with other believers to pursue the Lord's heart through your relationship it means you have accountability and unity There's power in this kind of living. However, next week I'm going to be joined by Samuel Petty and we're going to discuss the survivalist mindset and the orphan spirit because the truth is that some of you are completely terrified of having relationships like this with other people because you've been so hurt. So I don't want to practically walk through with you what this looks like until you can get some healing and break down some walls as always thanks for listening please remember to tune back in next week as we continue this conversation and i think it's going to be awesome a lot of you are really going to be in position to receive some healing and ministry from the lord now hear my still small voice speaking truth.